The scripture reading this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among His creatures. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's good to be with everyone. Thank you, Brother Lon, for scripture reading. Thank you, Jonathan, for that great song leading. Uh, that last song, I believe, I love that song. It uh, plays right into my sermon, so I love it even more this morning. I love this time of year. I always have, I always have since I was a little boy. It always seems to be a little more exciting this time of year. Always also seems to be Quite a bit more love this time of year. Always love to get together with my family. We have a huge family, and we get together for the holidays. It's about seventy, and so uh, I love uh, this time of year for many reasons: good food, pretty decorations. Love to watch my babies put up the decorations and all the memories that are made. I also love uh, giving this time of year. Uh, this past week in uh, Bible class, I asked the young people we were talking about. Uh, some, a similar lesson, and I asked them uh, what they enjoy about this time of year, and one of the, the young people immediately, the gifts, and I was like, well, I'm glad you played into my hand, I needed that, you know, so several people uh, had very thoughtful, but he brought out the gifts, and that's that's uh, good, but I do love this time of year, it is a season of giving gifts, but I want to talk this morning about the giver of every good and perfect gift. God is the great giver, and He is the giver of every good thing. He meets our legitimate needs and desires with good and perfect gifts. As a matter of fact, every good gift we have ever received came from Him. Appreciate the reading of James 1, uh, 16 through 18. If you'll stay there, that'll be uh, where we stay most of the time this morning. We all have needs and desires in this life, do we not? We do. Uh, And it's important to realize the difference between the two, needs and desires. Many go about taking care of these needs and desires by falling to the world's temptations. The world is alluring. The world offers you many things. And many go after the things they need or desire through their temptations. Many have been lured and trapped by temptations, failing to realize that there is another source that we can receive from if we would but seek God. God is the great giver, and He is the giver of every good thing. Like I said, He meets our legitimate needs, our legitimate needs, those things that we legitimately need every day. And He also gives us things uh, that we can enjoy in life. Not necessarily needs, but the desires of our hearts sometimes. As a matter of fact, every good gift 
we have ever received came from him. James, though, in this passage is warning us not to be deceived into thinking that blessings come from any other source but God. We can be deceived in this life and go after riches that, uh, that we try to obtain on our own. Good and perfect gifts do not come from the world, from people, or even from ourselves. They come from God. All human good, I want you to understand this, all human good comes from the perfect Father of the universe. Let's talk about these passages. Let's begin with verse 16. Let's talk about deadly deception. Verse 16 calls us to become aware of and stop our self-deception. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. James begins. The warning in verse 16 references what immediately precedes and what immediately follows in the context, if you want to look at that. First, with reference to the temptation, that deception is understood as a warning against not recognizing our sin and trying to excuse ourselves from the responsibility of our sins. We can be deceived when we do not realize the ramifications of sin. When we do not realize that going beyond what God would want wish for us is sin. We oftentimes in our sinful lives blame others. It's easy to blame others. You know, and not talking about sin necessarily, but when when I ask my young kiddos who did something, immediately fingers start flying in other directions. But they rarely say, I did it. I am the responsible party, right? We've all raised children. If our children ever did that, you know, we'd pass out, I guess. I don't know. You know, for those that uh, have one child, sometimes I'm envious because you can narrow it down very easily. But with three children, they all, it's like a compass pointing in different directions. Who did what? And we as adults do it as well. We're guilty of when sin is on the rise, we want to blame others. We want to even blame Satan sometimes when the truth be known, we are the culprit. It's not from any external source. Sins have, sin has its roots within ourselves. And we bear full responsibility for our deeds. Now, does Satan and others play a role? Do they encourage sin? Do they promote sin? Absolutely. But whose responsibility is sin? It is ours. Sin's roots are within ourselves. We begin to sin when we deceive ourselves into thinking others or other things are responsible. Verse 14 earlier in this passage tells us, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. So it's our own desires that push us towards temptation, that help us be lured into those things that maybe we shouldn't have in life. Persons and, persons and objects can, however, act on the corrupt heart. You know, it is our responsibility. But if you already have a corrupt heart, then the outside forces are going to have their way. They stir up our propensities. They fan the flame of passion, present all kinds of opportunities for and enticements to sinful indulgence. But 
They put nothing into us. They only bring out what is in us, what's living in our hearts. For Luke 6.45, Luke chapter 6.45 tells us, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces what? Good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces what? Evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. When we are coerced, when we are promoted towards sin by outside sources, and sin comes out, it comes out from where it already lived, within the heart. We're only falling towards our own desires. Do not be deceived in this verse. 16 also points out forward towards verses 17 and 18. In this we are being warned against prideful belief that good comes from us instead of God. Somewhere along the way, we in our minds get that we're something. We're important and that we can make things happen. And then when we get to that point in life... Beware, there's a fall coming. So often we are tempted into thinking we are important and try to deceive ourselves and others into thinking we are. A newly promoted army captain had moved into a makeshift office. He was just starting to get unpacked when out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a private coming through the door with a toolbox. Wanting to seem important, He grabbed the phone and said, Yes, General, I think this is an excellent plan. He continued, You've got my support on it. Thanks for checking with me. Let's get together soon. Maybe golf or dinner. Say hello to your wife for me. Goodbye, and hung up. Turning to the waiting private, he said, Now what can I do for you, young man? He said, Sir, um, I'm just here to hook up your phone. Sometimes when we think too highly of ourselves, we can be brought low. We need to stop thinking so highly of ourselves and realize that God, who has the, it, is, it is God who has the power and not ourselves. God is the only one that can give that gift of what our inner being truly needs. What he gives will not deceive us if we will just stop deceiving ourselves. God is the only source of good, and he is, the, he is the source of all that is good. Be not mistaken, God, not temptation, supplies all that is good. When you are reaching out for the gusto, the golden ring, and you know within your heart it doesn't feel right, that it doesn't feel like God is on your side, well, he's not. That, that's the voice of temptation, When we go about things in our own way, oftentimes things don't go well. Have you ever had door after door after door slammed shut in your face? And then there's a little bitty crack that you see and you push through it anyway and get what you want. No matter what anybody else thinks or whatever, let the chips fly where they are. I'm pushing through that door and getting what I want. Did it ever work out well for you? 
When we push through doors that God has shut, or don't expect to have God's blessing in it. Don't expect to come out from uh, behind that door with blessings. You're going to be uh, mistaken. Be not mistaken. God, not temptation, supplies all that is good. We need to stop looking to the outside world for our self-comfort and our self-worth. Today, uh, we are living in a time where people's self-worth is at an all-time low. And they try to find it and build it up through outside sources, what the world has. We need to stop caring so much about what the outside world thinks of us and start caring more about what God thinks of us. We need to stop caring how the world blesses us and start allowing ourselves to be blessed by God. Having asked that we stop deceiving ourselves uh, or leading ourselves astray, by thinking good things come from temptations, allurements. James turns us to whom and where good things come from in verse 17. Let's look at that. Verse 17. Let's look at that. Let me get to my passage. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow do to change. So, we see here that in verse 17, if I can get back to my spot, there we go. Uh, having learned that God is not responsible for our sin, we see that God is the source of all that is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Satan will try to get us to doubt either God's goodness or the fact that all good things come from him. Stop being deceived. God is the source of all good things. The thought in this first part of this verse is all kinds and all degrees of good are from God. All good comes from God. Everything good in this world comes from God. If it does not come from God, guess what? It is not good. If it comes from God, it must be good then, however, even if it does not seem good. What I mean by this, what about Paul's thorn in the flesh that wasn't removed even after prayer? Don't we have thorns in our lives sometimes that we wonder why they're still around, why they haven't left us even after prayer? We need to realize sometimes God is perfecting us, perfecting our strength. In weakness. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Hold your place here because we'll be coming back. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited, we're in uh, 2 Corinthians 12 7. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in a flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. 
For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of us would be so bold as to say what Paul had to say in verse 10? I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Are we all content with that? You content with whatever comes your way? You're going to stick the chin out and deal with it? That's a mature faith talking there. A mature faith that understands that all good things come from God and that He is the sustainer. Even in the hard times, sometimes there's a gift. And that gift is, is strength. Haven't you ever come through a hardship, a trial, and in the end it was a gift? In the end, there was a gift of strengthening. I think we all have had that. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above and keeps coming down. Coming down is a present participle. If Jim was here, he'd be proud of me. So he'd be using some grammar there. A present participle, which means that these gifts flow to us in a continuing stream. They never stop. They just keep flowing. God is constantly giving to us, whether it be in the air we breathe, the sight that we continue to see beautiful things, our daily bread, or other loving acts of goodness that continue to flow day after day that we don't even think about. When you wake up in the morning, blessings have been flowing to you all night. You've been sucking in air all night long. And that's a blessing. That God continues to flow to you. God gives us constantly the good blessings of life. Yet far too often he receives no thanks. A man named Bill entered a crowded restaurant and placed his order. Another man entered to find no vacant seat. And he approached Bill, who at this time was about to begin his meal, and asked if he could join him. Bill, being a gracious man, invited him to have a seat. Then, as he was custom before meals, Bill bowed his head to give thanks. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? Bill replied, No, I don't. Uh, the other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? Bill responded, No, why? Well, the man said, I saw you sitting there with your head down, and I thought you must be sick or something, or that there was something wrong with your food. Bill replied, no, I was simply thanking God as I always do before I eat. The man leaned back and said, oh, you're one of those guys, are you? Well, I want you to know I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody for what I eat. So, uh, Bill leaned back and said, well, you know, that reminds me of old Spike. He said, Excuse me? He said, Spike is my dog, Bill replied. He said, really? He said, yeah. He goes, that's exactly what he does too. You see, Spike uh, didn't have the, the brain power to understand where his blessings came from. Matthew fifteen twenty two tells us, Matthew fifteen twenty two, And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, 
O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word, and his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, crying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbles that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. That Gentile Canaanite woman got it. She got it. She understood and was rewarded for getting it. She realized by whose hand you find the healing, by whose hand you find sustenance, by whose hand you find life. She understood it. We often take God's gracious gifts for granted. We forget that He is the source of all the good things we enjoy in life. James, though, reminds us that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. We need to remember to say thank you. We're not animals. We're not like old Spike. We need to be grateful as Christians. Gratitude shouldn't be an occasional incident, but a continuous attitude since God's goodness to us is a continual supply. I think this is in part of the reason why Paul said in verse 5, or First uh, Thessalonians 5, 16-18, that we should pray without ceasing. God's gifts are continually flowing. Shouldn't we continually be thanking God for them? All good gifts from above constantly come down to us from the Father of lights. I like that. This time of year, aren't the lights beautiful? You drive around. We we uh, we'll probably do tonight on uh, usually Sunday evenings and Wednesday evenings when we're heading home. Our kids always say, "Can we make a few laps through the through the streets and see the lights?" And that's it's sort of a little tradition we do in the Ayers family. We we Wednesdays and Sunday nights usually after services we go look at lights and they're beautiful and they're a reminder that God is the Father of the lights. God is the Father of the lights in that He created all heavenly luminaries. The Milky Way galaxy, I had to do a little research here, in which planet Earth orbits contains a million suns brighter than the Earth's suns. A million. If one could travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, it would take about 100,000 years to cross the Milky Way. Yet, this is just one galaxy among millions. God created all the lights in all the galaxies. God not only created all the physical light, but He is the source of all moral, intellectual, and spiritual light that there is also. John wrote that Christ, John wrote that Christ was the true light which gives light to everyone as He was coming into the world, John 1, 9. But unlike the astronomical lights that have regular change, and they do change, they die off, 
God does not change. The light of the sun changes from hour to hour and from day to night, every day. Is that not correct? But God's goodness does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. The light of the sun may be eclipsed or cast shadows, but nothing can block God's light. Nothing can interrupt the flow of His goodness or cast a shadow on His radiance. God cannot change for the worse, for He is holy. And He cannot change for the better, because He is already perfect. Have you ever thought about that? Say that again. He cannot change for the worse, for He is holy. He cannot change for the better, because He is already perfect. Never question His love or doubt His goodness. When difficulties or temptations appear, he never changes. God's goodness does not vary in intensity with time or change with the seasons. He's always good. God is stable. He's unchanging. He's unchangeable. The third description of God is that there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's what the scripture tells us. The movements of the sun, moon, and clouds cause regular shifting of the light and shadow throughout the day. The shadows move, don't they? they you know, used to people used a sundial to tell the time and the shadow moved around. Do you realize that the shadows cast by the sun never fall on the earth exactly the same place in any two days in a row as the year goes along? On a daily basis, the change goes largely unnoticed, but it is clearly evident from one season to another. We can tell the days getting shorter and shorter and the time changing and the time shifting. However, God's character is always constant. It's true. It's unchanging. It's reliable. It's good and faithful. What a God we have. In sharp contrast to the movement of the heavenly lights, God the Creator, the Father of lights, remained constant. He never changes. The part of God's dependable character is He never changes. We may be grateful in a world of fast-moving events and often bewildering change that we serve a mighty God who doesn't change and will not move. I think in the year 2016, we have probably seen more change and more things moving quickly than any year that I can remember. And at this time, I'm glad that we serve a God who does not change. He does not move. His standards do not change. But in verse 18, we see the supreme gift. Verse 18 looks into the new birth God has given His people. Having willed it, He gave us birth by the word of truth. Intending for us to be the certain first fruits of His creature. Creatures, creation. The gift of the new birth, salvation, which is God's supreme gift to man. Let's look at a couple points declared about the supreme gift of the new birth. First, God willed the greatest of all gifts to us, the gift of the new birth in Jesus Christ. God handed that salvation down to us, willed it for us. God's will does not give birth to temptation. Let us understand that. God's will does not give birth to temptation, but to a new life, regeneration. Our new birth is God's good will towards us. He is the author of our new being and purpose. 
You know, we are born as a baby to a mama. And she gives us, basically, and mom and daddy give us meaning and purpose for what we do in life. We're molded largely by our parents in that first life. But in this new life, the word of truth gives us our meaning and direction. Our molding, our raising, our building up. God gave us this. No one is born again because of his relatives, his resolutions, or his goodness. The new birth is God's gift to the faithful, obedient believer who puts on Christ in baptism, who dies with Christ and is buried with Christ. That's who receives the new birth. The second declaration of this instrument, which brings the new birth into effect, the word of truth is what is used to produce the new birth. Only by following the pattern of this word of truth can the new birth take place. You can't follow another pattern and receive the new birth. You can't follow Nat's pattern. You can't follow Phil's pattern. You can't follow the world's pattern and receive God's gift. You can't follow man's pattern and receive what God has to give you. If you want to receive what God has to give you, you follow his pattern. The word of truth. This is why those who preach and teach have the awesome responsibility to preach and teach God's word in its complete fullness. They are to preach and teach it as, add, um, and teach it as the word of truth whereby God brings salvation to those who would obey him. Romans 6.17 The new birth by the word of truth produces the first fruits among all of his creature, uh, creatures. When you look around, you know, you are the first fruit, both in place and importance. You as Christians, by faithful, obedient Christians, when you became a child of God, you become the blue ribbon winner. You know, every year you go to the fair and there are the different fruits laid out and one of them is the blue ribbon winner. We as Christians who have received the new birth are the first fruit. The number one spot is us. That's how God looks at us. First fruits can be first in time or first in honor. The new birth refers to a new creation. Those born again are the first fruits among the new creation. Christians are the first fruits, the earthly produce or product of God's new creation in man. Of all God's universe, Christians, of all God's universe, we talked about the lights, the galaxies, we're the number one spot. We're it. We are the highest and the finest of the creation. We share God's nature. We have God's spirit. But this new nature must be fed God's word daily. It'll shrivel up and die. On the vine if you don't do anything to take care of it. Just as the Holy Spirit inspired the word of God that gave you spiritual birth, he uses the word to give you spiritual strength. As Jesus said when facing temptation, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If you want to be a strong Christian, then you need a strong diet of God's word. God gave it to you. He blessed you with it to be strong to have spiritual strength. And so too, so often, 
our Bibles are covered with dust. How are we going to grow strong when we're not feeding on God's Word? That's what God wants for you. As Jesus said when facing... I'm sorry, I got there. But a higher birth must also mean a higher life. Let me say that again. A higher birth must mean a higher life. What are we talking about here? Repentance. You cannot receive the blessing of that new birth and live like the old man. A new life, a new birth requires a higher life. There is no reason why anyone of God's chosen first fruits or regenerated children has to yield to the temptations of the old man. We've been born again. We've been brought to a new life. Why would you go back to the old way? The, the, the way that isn't as good. He must learn, the Christian, to resist its deadly force or he cannot grow to the spiritual maturity God desires for his children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. God is the giver of every good gift. He wants you as a Christian to have an abundant life, a great life. But it takes change. It takes repentance. It takes wanting that new life. It takes realizing those blessings. It takes turning away from the temptations to want to be like the world, to want to be built by the world, built up by the world. Where do you want your blessings coming from? Do you want your blessings coming from the world? Or do you want your blessings coming down from the Father of lights? You need to choose. We need to choose. Where do we want our blessings coming from? I want my blessings coming down from my Father. So I must live for Him. I must live the life that He wants me to live. The solution for temptation that's found in the world is having a close relationship with the Father and His continuous Word. One must rest in the unchangeable Lord of lights and rely on His life-giving Word of truth. Ephesians 1.13, Colossians 1.5 God's gifts are always better I want you to hear this. God's gifts are always better than Satan's bargains. Satan never gives gifts because in the end you pay for them dearly. If you got to pay for what you got, it isn't a gift, is it? Now Satan can give you everything your heart desires. He can. He can make you into everything you ever wanted to be. But in the end, you're going to pay in hell. There's going to be a payment made for what he gives you. Now, would you rather have that gift or a not-so gift or the free gift of eternal life that comes by being a faithful, obedient child of God? The choice is yours. God is ready to give you that gift this morning. There are many of you here that have turned away from that gift, have shied away from that gift, have seen, heard about that gift... And have left here for Satan's bargains. But one day, we're all going to stand in judgment. And we're going to have to pay up for everything we got from Satan. But for all of those that have been bought by the blood of Christ and been faithful and obedient, everything's been paid. The bill has been paid. All that's left is the free gift of salvation. 
If you would hear that message and believe it, that Jesus came and died to pay for your free gift. If you would believe that, that He's the Son of God, confess that, turn from your old ways, you can be buried with Christ this morning in baptism and receive the greatest gift that the Father ever gave. It's through the blood of Christ that He gave it. Won't you take advantage of that gift this morning? Won't you come get your gift? I remember on Christmas morning, I want you to think back to little bitty kids. you remember when you got a little holiday gift, Christmas gift? Did, you have to, did anybody have to keep you from it? Were you shying away from it? The greatest gift that's ever been given, salvation, is available for you this morning. And some of you are going to turn away, run away, walk away, and I don't understand it. Won't you come get your gift this morning? Be obedient to the Word of God. Become a faithful child of God. It's the greatest gift ever. It comes with a big family. It comes with so many benefits. But if you will not, the bill you're going to have to pay is mighty mighty big. If there's anything that we can do, if you have fallen away, that gift's still available for you. You can still have your gift. You've got to repent and come back. It's what the Father wants. But this morning, if there's anything we can do, we'd encourage you to come forward as we stand and as we sing.